Hey, welcome to Broker to Broker. This podcast is all about real talk from one broker to another. Each week, we'll be talking with an AIM member about their journey into the broker channel, their challenges, and unique insights. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. I'm your host, JP Hussey of the Hussey Team Mortgage Advisors, and today we have my very good friend, Jackie Dunlop of Next Generation Home Loans. I said that right? You did. What's up? How are you? I'm so good. I'm still on the high of uh, AIMFUSE 2020. That was fun. And the first question I got, though, is do we want to get all the swearing and cursing out of the way right now or just kind of put it all together? You know, it's kind of like glitter. Uh, when it's in a pile, it's not as effective as if it's like in a bomb and goes everywhere. So I think we just play it out, okay. um, spread it out, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm cool with that. have a scarcity I, mindset. We don't can't need to have that, Jackie. Front. You no. really can't. Because <laughs> I like your sign right behind you. Maybe swearing will help. And it helps a lot. It's, uh, it's like my brand for training. It is. And we're going to get into that too. But um, I know you. We had a great time in Fuse. We could talk about our car ride. We could talk about what we did at Fuse, but we won't even, we're going to let people go back and watch that if they want, right? Yeah. But that was fun. It was awesome uh, speaking yes. with you and hanging with you. There's, we'll have to do another like little blip, maybe just on our personal side about our car sure. ride, because it was uh, such a humanizing, just um, out of the, just, purely out of coincidence that this happened on the way to what we were talking about. Yeah. And I think it really just gave us both the opportunity to like see each other in our true forms. Without yeah. right. Well, let's, I'm going to talk about that real quick. <laughs> okay. So first spot, the first thing was Jackie and I, um, we spoke about community outreach at Fuse, right? Yeah. Um, so to bring it back, Jackie's like, ah, I want to ride. Or I asked you for, you know, you can jump in with me. And I had a convertible, right? So I'm like, ah, should we put the, we're about to go in the studio. Should we put the top up? You're like, no, leave the top down. I don't care about my hair. I'm like, I love this. I cared about my hair more than you. So, um, <laughs> so that was the first step. So then we're on the way and we're taking some back roads. Yep. And uh, there was a, a nice gentleman in a, in a wheelchair, like in the middle of the road. Yes, right? at, at the stop sign. Yeah, at the stop sign. And yeah. We're making the right, and I'm kind of like going, but I'm looking. But he more, was in a really more awkward, not to hit him. But he was in the awkward place in the road, like he wasn't really moving, no, right. like which it, which would have indicated to us that he was trying to cross the road. He literally had positioned himself in the roadway yeah. uh -huh. that you really couldn't go by, and we both kind of looked at each other like this is weird, right? Like, this yeah. is weird. <laughs> yeah. And you're a better person than me because I'm like, I'm like, all right, do I just make the right and just like, I don't want to hit him. And you're like, let's stop. Let's figure out what's going on. Well, no, anyway. that's actually not how that happened. You can't, no. So you were like, I don't know, should I go? And I was like, I don't know. And in my mind, I was thinking for someone in a wheelchair and, and you go, and y'all, it was like the motorized wheelchair where like yeah, somebody yeah. really has no function from the neck right. down. Okay. Right. So visually, just to get that visual. And I was thinking to myself, like, <clears throat> it might take him a minute to like alert us if he needs yeah. anything, but you kept looking back in your rear view mirror at him. 
And we both were really hesitant for you to move forward because you asked him, you all right, man? And he didn't reply. Yeah, it's good point. Then you decided to go. And that's when I was thinking to myself, I was kind of like, oh, wait, hold on. It might take him a minute to reply. And you were looking at him in the rear view mirror and then the side view mirror. And then he hollered for us. He was like, hey. And we were like, ah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was good teamwork, no doubt. But anyway, his phone was dead. He had to call his, his grandma, I think, right? I don't know. He was going somewhere. And I basically threatened him that if I found, if he had, he needed to take my battery pack. I said, yeah, you, yeah. When you take my yeah. battery pack. Whenever you go out, you make sure this thing is charged. I don't want you out here with a low battery again. And I was like, listen, we're going to be driving back through here in two hours. Yeah, yeah. If I see you out in the street, I'm going to make him pull your wheelchair to wherever you live. And no. I'm going to have a conversation with your mama about why you out here in the That's middle of the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, you were like, I said, listen, cause I'm a mama bear. And I'm like scared. right now you're my, you're my boy. And like, I want to protect you. But like, if I come back here in two hours and you're still on the street, we're going to drive you to your mama's house and we'll make sure you're all right. He's like, no. And JP's like, you don't want her to call your mama. And he was like, no, I don't want her to call oh, my mama. No, <laughs> so, so if Jackie ever tries to give you something to help you and threatened you, just do it. That's, that's all we need for this podcast, really, in my opinion. But anyway, it was good. It was good. Uh, it was good karma. It was kind of weird because what we were going yes. to speak about. So, so that just goes, I guess it goes to show you can, you can curse, you can, you can bust chops, <laughs> you can do this as long as you're helping people, I guess. Right. Right. Makes right. Sense. Yep. People don't get that sometimes. I get it. All right. <laughs> cool. Um, anyway, let's get down to business though now. Right. So I know about you, right. I know what you do. You're doing a lot of different things, right. We'll yeah. get into the training. We'll get into your brokerage, but could you give everyone an idea of, when you got into the business, like take us all the way through until now. Like when did you get in? Yeah. Where, where did you get in? How'd you get in? So um, I was uh, 25 years old. I was a single mama of about an eight, six and a four year old and very tumultuous divorce. I was a corporate trainer for a restaurant company. Um, I did a, I had a, a lot of higher level functions but if you saw me working at our corporate store, it looked like I was a waitress, but I had a lot of functions behind the scenes and a lot of which was training people on the floor. So the, the other side had painted this picture that I was just a waitress. So the judge, mm -hmm. uh, who was not a great judge, um, had ordered me to go get gainful employment. And I tell this story in my trainings, but y'all at the time, I didn't even know what that was. And Google wasn't really a thing. Like how long ago this was? Ask Jeeves was like the up and coming search bar. Okay. Right, so right. I went and asked Jeeves, what's gainful employment? Um, I'd long had a desire to get into banking, like be a bank teller. Cause that was really all I knew about banking, but I couldn't support me and the kids on seven or eight or $9. I mean, they probably still right. make seven or eight and $9 an hour sure. now. Um, so if you know anybody who's a bank teller that wants a job, we're looking <laughs> in the mortgage industry. Nice, nice. Um, and I remember one day my mom coming home and saying, uh, hey, I saw this mortgage job on monster.com. I think you should apply. Well, you know, I'm this beat down 25 year old girl with three kids, you mm -hmm. know, trying to find a $10 an hour job, which at the time minimum wage was probably around seven. And I just had no, and I thought to myself that, you know, that's way beyond the scope of what I could do. My dad ended up paying for a resume writer to redo my resume, which okay. again, I was like, ah, oh, you know, good luck with that. It's retail and restaurant. Good luck with that. And what I was introduced to for the first time was transferable skills. I had always defined what I knew by the tangible tasks of my job, not the qualities 
that those tasks uh, encompass, things that I had to learn, um, quick problem resolution, attention to, to detail, customer service, things like that. So anyway, I applied for the job, I get it. We have training uh, 40, hours a, 40 hours a week for four weeks. Um, I get out on the floor with my group, my team, and I'm the first one in my group to close a loan. So I got in about October 2005. I hit the floor late November 2006. As an um, LO. As, as an LO. Yep. An it was LO. before licensing. So 2005, no licensing was required. I was a loan officer for a retail branch. It was Centex Home, Centex Home Loans. They were the lending arm of Centex the Builder. They set a Texas, okay. we had a Texas, Arizona, and a Colorado branch. But I only did refis, and I did what back then was called like subprime. It was not a paper loans. Um, I, by the next month, by December, I was the top 5% in our branch, and then by January, I was top 5% in the entire origination company. Nice. Um, by that June, the market started to show its colors and I was laid off. I remember interviewing, I, as soon as I got a job, I lost a job. I remember interviewing for a job with option one mortgage retail and um, which is the lending arm of H&R Block. And uh, I remember saying to the, the VP was interviewing me actually, a bunch of people had gone from my company to theirs and were like, you got to hire this chick, she's fire, she's a top producer. And I remember sitting in the interview and he said to me, um, do you have any questions? And I said, well, I don't really have a question as much as I have an ask. And I remember it taking him back and him kind of sitting back in his chair like, okay. And I said, I'm just gonna ask you this one thing. I said, I'm a single mama with three kids. And if you have any inkling that y'all are gonna lay people off, just don't extend me the job, please. Yeah. Every time I got a new job, I had to rearrange my childcare. I had to, I, I mean, I was making sacrifices all over the place. And my poor kids, like every three months, were having a schedule change. And uh, so anyway, they offered me the job and three weeks in, we got laid off and I was oh, like, I'm done for a minute. I explored what it would be like to do something else in mortgage. And I didn't understand what else was out there because retail was all I knew. And I did not know how to work in my community. I did not. Everything I did was internet leads that came in that the company bought. They went into my queue. I called on them. I converted them. Okay. I didn't really have to work too, too hard. I didn't know how to farm my community. And also, okay, not sh I, I wasn't in a place at 25 years old, newly divorced in a community we both grew up in where I was 17 when I had a kid walking around talking about how I could do everybody's mortgage. Yeah, I was yeah. not on that train yet, yet. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> my now husband uh, called me and said, hey, one of our dispatchers called out, will you come and answer phones? And I was like, well, I can answer phones, but I don't know anything about plumbing and heating. So. I worked in their, him and his dad's business for about three years during the height of the housing crisis. And then in oh, 2012, exactly. I got, okay. what's that? No, I was going to say what up until like 2009 ish. Okay. Um, through it a little bit more, you know, Dodd-Frank and all those things had been implemented. Okay. So about, um, 2012, I was recruited to go work on a big mod project. So a mod is when, uh, basically when all those water, and the banks were modifying the terms of the loans. Okay. Um, yeah, I so I worked that. on a big, big mod. Pro yep, I worked on a big mod project for Bank of America. I was contract six months at a time. Um, I was pregnant with my sixth child at that time, working second shift, um, going to back to college. I had also decided to finish out my degree, and uh, then I decided that I 
the, the project was starting to, to show some signs that there were going to be some long lasting issues. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, they were starting to have, um, I mean, I don't know the, how much of it's relevant, but you know, when you're starting to have issues, right. And like, it just like everything starts to change. And so I was like, Ooh, there's changes coming. Yeah. So I started looking for a new job. I got a job in retail again at Wells Fargo home mortgage in, um, 2000, I think my timeline's off a little bit. I think it was at B of A in 2011. Yes. 2011, I went to B of A. 2012, I went to Wells Fargo. So I love telling this story because in 2012, um, within this decade, uh, that company was still processing mortgage loans on a DOS-based system. I was there. I was there in 2012 as well. Oh, were you? Okay. Yeah, I remember. So did, you, did you work on, what was it, Core? Yeah, there was Core. Remember they said they had the elves that would take the, the docs? Like you could just put the docs somewhere and they we call them the elves behind the scenes and they would put it in core. And yeah, I remember all that. Yeah. Okay. Well that, <laughs> that is what I describe as the wipe your ass departments. Like <laughs> you didn't have to do anything. Somebody else did it. Yeah, I got um, it. So we actually were the processing arm center in Denver that was basically using core for the first time before they implemented it yep. company wide. Mm-hmm. And about, so again, I had like two weeks of training, 40 hours a week. I was lost as all get out. I could not figure out what the hell they were talking about in this training. And I, it really started to weigh on my self-confidence because I'm like, I am a top producer. Why do I not understand what is going on here? Um, I get on the floor, uh, top producer right away, because what people don't realize in those call centers is if you can breathe, if you can read, you can type on a computer, you're hired. You don't have to have any mortgage experience, real estate experience, nothing. So it was myself and one other gentleman on my team that had any sort of mortgage or real estate experience. One other girl had title experience and we were, we were killing it. We closed more loans the, him and I closed more loans, the two of us than entire teams would close. Yeah. Um, and then the system crashed and I was actually on a team for Wells Fargo <clears throat> because we were so good at what we were doing. They were saying, Hey, we're building out different parts of the software can you, would you come and sit like once a week for an hour with our development team and kind of walk through, like, how should we build out uh, the platform for like co-ops in New York and things like that. So anyway, about three weeks after that, the whole damn system crashed. We couldn't close loans uh, for, I want to say it was four or five days and we had people in new builds. So, you know, on a new build contract, you don't close your couple hundo every day. You don't close. Um, And then people started getting let go. And I was like, oh shoot, they're gonna send this back to R&D. We're out, we're done. We're like, I gotta find me another job. Cause at the time, uh, my, my youngest baby at this point was about six months old. My husband was the stay at home dad and I was the working parent. Mm-hmm. I was an awful working husband and he was an awful stay at home mom. Let's just be clear, okay? okay fair enough. Um, so I started looking for another job and I ended up taking a job uh, for the first time in the broker environment. And the only thing I knew about brokers was I used to compete with brokers when I worked at Centex. And I remember people being pissed because they couldn't understand why when they went into their Wells Fargo branch or their Chase branch or their Bank of America branch and got one rate, could they go to this broker and get a different rate that was lower? And they were pissed. And I think ultimately, like in 2012 and 13, when those big banks started pulling out of broker, that was why, because it was really hurting their brand. 
People felt like, oh, so I'm a loyal customer. I come into the office and you're going to give me this. But if I go with a broker, I can get a better rate from you. Like what? People were sold the wells or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah. People were mad. So I took a job. My position name literally was a scrubber. So all the stuff that tech does now, like when you register a loan and it's like, hey, you're missing two years of employment or hey, you don't have your start date or hey, your decks aren't filled out. I did that. I was the person. Um, but they didn't have a room for me in the processing room. So they stuck me literally in the corner of the owner's office who was never there. So I, everything I learned, I learned, I like, I had to learn it on my own because yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't like in the room mm-hmm. and it really created this desire for me to do whatever it took to get in the room. And that was the thing that, you know, I look back and I was, uh, when we were talking about doing this broadcast and, and it came out of my mouth and I was like, that was it. That experience of craving being in the room was what was the founding block for what has grown into what I'm doing now. I mean, you need to get thrown to the wolves sometimes, right? I mean, I was at Wells Fargo. I started as an LO. I had one or two good mentors, but they were also producing LOs. You know, you just had to figure it out for yourself. Like, I'll never take that back. Maybe it sucked at the time, (laughs) but I'd rather it be that way, right? I mean, you've been through all types of shit, right? But would you take any of it back? Maybe there's parts of it, but. No, no, I wouldn't. And it's funny that you asked that because what I was going to say is the boss I had at Wells Fargo was the absolute worst, Mm -hmm. well, second worst boss I've ever had in my entire working career. It was miserable. And I had a six month old baby. So like, I was also like breastfeeding. I had to go and pump in the supply closet and I got walked in on so many times. So then they're like, their brilliant idea wasn't to find me a better suited room was now I could put a little laminated sign on the door so that everybody fucking knew I was in there breast pumping. (laughs) And I still got walked in on. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, that's a big company, right? Like big company. That's how they treated us. I was treated better at Bank of America. They cleared out an entire supply closet. They put a chair in there for me. They they made sure it had like a water source for me. They asked me if the lights were too bright when I couldn't use that office anymore. They found me another one. They're like, we we really don't like that you're in a supply closet. So we're cleaning out another office. It's down on the first floor. And then it turned out there were like three other mamas there. And then all the mamas started using it. There were times where I would go out to lunch and plug myself in in the car and like sit in the back seat and hope no Nobody walking out for lunch could see me with my things on my things, pumping all the milk. Like it, those, the corporate thing, the corporate world was not good to me uh, as as an employee or a mother. Yeah, but it does go to show that uh, no matter where you're at, I mean, it's still about leadership and and who's running it too, right? I mean, yeah, just side note, this wasn't on the notes. No, no. Well, I had, <laughs> let me see. I had breastfeeding on here. Um, no, I'm kidding. No, but like I said, we just wing this. I love it. I love yeah. it. Um, all right, but okay. <laughs> Let's get to where you're at now then. Like what, what decided, what was the decision you made to do this on your own even more Oof. at a different level? Okay. And how long have you been in business where you're at too? I yep. want to give everyone that timeline. Okay. So, um, I, I was processing, um, for two companies in broker, like all these things. So mm-hmm. about 2013, the following year, I got a call from someone, uh, that was a really good friend of mine. And they're like, Hey, there's this opportunity. You need to get your license. I hadn't had my license at this point. It wasn't required in Colorado for a really long time. 
Um, uh, one of the biggest real estate companies in Colorado was going to be, was doing a DBA and opening a, um, a mortgage company. And she's like, you need to get, they're going to put a LO in every office. And I was like, this is my chance. This is where you get it on the ground floor. So I get my license. Uh, I start working at this company. It's way on the other side of town. It's like an hour drive. Um, about two months into that, I realized they're, they're committing RESPA violations. So I call my girl at the bank and I was like, girl, this is what they're doing. She's like, they're not doing that. They're not doing it on my phone. I was like, yes, they are. She calls me the next day. Like, what the, what are, what, you know, what am I going to do? And I said, well, you tell them new brokers go under, uh, you know, a QC audit and this is what they're doing. They can't do it anymore. And if they do, you guys will turn them off. At that point, I called a colleague that I used to work with at that company who had broken off and opened his own mortgage brokerage. And I went and worked with him for a while. And I really desperately, and, and then we moved down, we moved an hour so I could be closer to that job. So now I was an hour in the other direction. I really wanted him to let me open a, a Southern branch and I wanted to do all these things. And uh, we just didn't see eye to eye on it. I love him. He's part of Brokers Are Better. He is a key reason for anything that I even am right now. We actually used to work at the same restaurant company and didn't know it. So we have a lot of the same concepts. We grew up in business with that same concept. So in 2014, I got my license. I started doing LO and subcontract processing. My LO stuff started taking off. 2016, I decided to break off. So I did no closings November and December 2016 because I want to start fresh January 1, 2017. That's, so that's a good time to do it. That's three what and I, a half. Yeah. I get you. I get you. Three and a half years ago. Uh, that, so that was January, that June, so May would have been the first brawl event in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And I was really sad I missed it. So the next event was in Denver in June. And I went to that one. Um, I'd been really active on the brawl site. Um, I, I had gone my whole existence at that point, not having any resources to ask any questions. Being in that room, again, was like, this is, I always was seeking to be in the room, probably for the wrong reasons at the time, but I wanted to be with the cool kids. I wanted to be the successful person. I needed to know the things. Who could I ask? Whose brain was I picking? So fast forward to AIMFUSE uh, 2018. I have a complete and utter three-day panic attack. Don't go. Uh, I watch as much as I could live because in November, I had to do call reports for the year and I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't yeah. know what data I needed. I didn't know what I was, I remember crying to my husband and telling him, I think I made the biggest mistake. Like, I think I literally just effed our family. Mm -hmm. Like this was wrong. So I reached out and brawl and I said, guys, like I'm drowning. I need, who are you guys using for call reports? I was given the name of Audrea Christie. Uh, at, I'm, uh, I don't even remember the name of her company. I just know it's Audrey Quisty. I don't even care about her company name. Audrey Quisty, everybody. Um, she helped me get through my year of call reports in like three days. And I was like, I'll never do that again. Uh, so 2018, and I try to be in the room every chance I get. Any event I can get to, any meeting, any whatever I can get to, I am trying to get in the room. At that point, I also... Uh, so beginning of 2019, I also tried to onboard operations. I failed it, failed bringing on an, a processor three times because I waited and I was so busy that I was, we were dropping the ball. We couldn't communicate. I tried to bring somebody on and ultimately they were so frustrated. They quit. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm just going to be a single processing originator. Maybe it's me. Cause I was a pro, you know, there's always this stigma that if you were a processor first and become an LO, you can't let things go. Yeah. Right. Right. So 
2019, I have a real bad processor departure, bad. I call another big name broker and I say, hey, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like, what does it look like for us to merge? And he's like, I've been waiting for this call for two years. And I'm like, shut your hole. I need help. Don't gloat right now. Like, I need help. And ultimately we didn't merge, obviously. But um, I went to Fuse. I decided, I, I told my daughter, I was like, listen, you're working too many hours. You're stressed out. You're 19 years old. There's no reason for you to be stressed out like that. You're coming to work for me. Because I knew she couldn't tell me no. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, sometimes you guys think um, for themselves, right? Yeah. And so we went to Fuse. I took her with 2019. And Ish, I coming off this bad ops hire, uh, fire, and uh, Ish just pounding into us. Ish is pounding into us. November 2019, guys. Ish is pounding into us. You have to hire your ops. You have to sacrifice. He talked about his sacrifice. I remember him saying, we hired X amount of underwriters. It was costing us like $5 million. My, my, uh, my uh, VP of finance was like, you can't do this. And he's like, no, I'm doing this. And then look what happened, right? We had this big, nobody knew it would come with COVID, but he knew something was coming or he knew their plans to grow, right? Yeah. So he was investing in ops and they were sacrificing profit to invest in ops. Yeah. And I said, okay, Gary V was there saying the same things, right? Invest, social media, TikTok. And by the way, when Ryan announced, I think his name is Ryan. When Ryan announced that Gary V was coming at Agent 2020, I literally was like a schoolgirl screaming. And then I watched the social media and nobody said a word. And I was like, what the, why is nobody freaking out about Gary V? And every time it came up, nobody would say anything. I'd be there like, oh my God, Gary V, I can't yeah. believe it. Yeah. So. I had made a goal that I wanted to speak at an AIM event. I remember uh, when I, I, I specifically remember when I met you at Fuse at the Bellagio, right? I, it was like in a corner where it kind of met and, and, and we met and you had, I remember now, your new processor. She was brand new. Yeah. And you were both like a deer in headlights at the time. Yeah. Before everything went off. So, I mean, I remember that 100%. Yeah. yeah. I remember. And uh, so we came back. And we onboarded her full time. Mm -hmm. um, I started thinking about where we would grow, uh, what, you know, where was our leads going to come from? Mm -hmm. um, right before COVID hit, uh, I reached out to my son and I said, hey, uh, let's talk. Let's talk. This is my second oldest son. He's 20, 23 now. And I said to him, you're a shit employee. And he, and he was like, um, not the talk I was expecting. And I was like, no, listen, you're super smart. You go in, you figure it out. And within three months, you're the best worker being paid the least. And then you go to them and you say, listen, I'm the best worker being paid the least. I need a raise. Yeah. And because corporate America, they say, no, you can't have a raise. And uh, so you quit. He'd had like a bunch of jobs. He's probably gonna be so mad at me about this. But I said, listen, let me tell you how to teach it. Let me, let me show you how to, how to uh, grow a business. Come, you and Skylar, come on and I'll show you how to do this business. You guys, come on, we're gonna grow. And then COVID. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that we talked about in Irvine, that's what it was, I was coming off of Irvine. We all were coming off of Irvine. Yeah, okay, way. listen, you're gonna appreciate this. You remember, so you guys, JP was doing broker to broker broad, broad podcast. podcast, thank you, in a room. Yeah. And I, you don't know this, okay? I, 
Hold on. You were pretty like, yo, I'm speaking. I'm like, I don't know what the hell is going on. I wanted to be in the room so bad, you guys. I I sat in that room for two hours waiting for the seat to open. It never opened. That was how bad I wanted to be in the room. I hadn't earned that spot yet. I I hadn't earned that spot yet. But what we did that day was we had the Women's Mortgage Network the day before, the inaugural. That's when it started. And one of the things that we talked about was, and it, and it really got kind of sloughed off. There were a lot of things on the plate, but one of the things that we talked about was, you know, the average age of the people in our industry is 55 years old. If we don't start making an intentional drive to get people in, our industry is going to be in a real crunch mm-hmm. for talent in the upcoming decade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most, well, the room was quite young, to be honest, like, really young. And so like, even for myself, I was like, yeah, well, I mean, that's 10 years from now. Right. So when COVID hit, it gave us the thing that we needed most, which was time. And I had about four months of operational expenses in the business account. And I literally was like, this is it. Like, this is the chance we take Mm -hmm. It's sink or swim, because if it doesn't turn by the time four months is up there, the money's gone. Mm-hmm. Because we weren't closing loans in COVID, right? Like you were lucky if you closed three in a month if yep. it, during COVID, March to the beginning of May. So every week I would take two, three days and I would put on a training because I needed to train my son and his wife who were going to come on as a processing team. I needed to train them. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, well, I had a couple girlfriends who had asked me like, hey, how do I get in the industry? I said, hey, I'm doing this. Like, come and join us. And then I was like, well, shoot, there's all these other people that like want to know. And so I started just posting it everywhere. Hey guys, I'm going to do this training, like come in, it's free, like fun zoom, whatever. I had people coming every one, like six hours a week, you know, when I had six hours a week, when we started picking back up, people would email me and say like, Hey, um, I couldn't make the, I couldn't make the meeting today. I had to work. Can you upload the video? And I was like, Oh yeah, love. Let me figure out how we can get these on YouTube because I knew Zoom was recording them. I just didn't know all the things. So we started putting them up on YouTube and I would say people like, hey, if you missed it, go watch it over on YouTube. And then I just thought, you know, uh, I'd really like it to just be a little bit more like we didn't have good mics. We didn't have good lighting. It was COVID. You couldn't even order it because it wasn't essential. You couldn't order a microphone. Um, And I said, you know, I really want to just maybe try and beef it up get, you know, re-record some of these, get the sound better, get the lighting better, you know, whatever, with the intention that like the product would be better so people could learn more. So we paid about $2,000 to take this class on how to like put it in a class. Uh, We paid $2,000-ish, $2,000-ish to like get the website, get the name, all the things. So I said, well, maybe if we just charged a little bit so that we could recoup the expenses, then let's just do that. Mm -hmm. And that's really how the processing started. But for my brokerage, when we closed out our year, when we closed out our 2019, I was still in the mode of doing whatever came in the door. Okay. So before all this training stuff, we closed, we closed our books and we were $20 million brokerage. And I was like, we were a, what did we do? I'm a, who, 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 how did that even happen? But you were still survival mode. Right? Well, so here, here's the thing. When you start small, right, which most of us do, right, whether you're an LO or a broker shop, and I think you'll relate to this, you have to farm. You have to spend so much time farming business, uh, leads, 
connections, investing in your community, anything that gets your name out, what you do out, anything, right? I liken it to being a competitive athlete, okay? If you're a competitive athlete, you can eat basically whatever the hell you want. It doesn't matter. You never gain any weight, mm-hmm. okay? You go to college, same thing, play. But what happens when you stop doing athletics yeah. and you keep eating like an athlete, okay? Farming leads is the same thing. And when we start as little baby brokers or little baby LOs, we're farming, 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 farming. And then what happens is when those leads start materializing and we're in the business, in the business, in the business, but we're still farming, 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 like we're an athlete, all of a sudden it creates this perfect storm where it's like, oh shit, I have so much on my plate. And that's what I had been doing. I never readjusted or invested in tech to handle my farming stuff. And now I had active loans and all these leads coming in. And that was why I needed to hire. So when I started going to the AIM events, I started learning, what are other brokers doing? How do you guys do this? Like, do you, you don't do that? What did you do when you did? What tech are you using? Like, how do I, I had to be in the room. I had to figure out how to do this because I didn't have the proximity of colleagues in a cubicle you know, five feet mm-hmm. across the little aisle way. And so what I began to learn is that I waited. The reason that I failed bringing on ops is I waited too long. I did not heed the warnings and heed the warnings is like when your pants start getting a little tight, right? Mm-hmm. When your shirt pops open at the button a little bit, you're like, oh, homegirl's putting on a few on the backside. We better we better watch what we're eating, right? You wait until you, one day you pull them up and you can't even button the damn things and then you got to go down to Target and buy you some right. new jeans, right? So after going to Fuse in 19, it changed the way that all of the, do you remember how big the exhibit hall was in Bellagio? Huge. It was mm-hmm. huge, but it was so valuable. It was so valuable to talk to other brokers um, and find out what they were doing. How did you do this? Big brokers, little brokers, brokers in transition, brokers are starting, brokers have been doing it for 10 years. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? How do you handle this? And it was so comforting sometimes to be like, girl, I am so glad you said that. I don't know. Cause we got that same problem. I'll let you know when I find out. Right. So we invested in technology a little bit cause I'm not a tech person. Uh, my husband is, and I invested in people. And I had the time during COVID to do that. And even afterwards, I continued putting myself in the room because I still had questions. I'd never run a $20 million company before. What does that even mean? So my next question became, I started hearing all the bigger people go, oh, it's, they're like, oh, I have 23 units for October for 15 million. I'm like, it's September 12th. How the fuck do you know what you're doing in October? Like what? So I started asking like, for real, like, what do you mean you're doing? How, what, what is this thing? And now that we're implementing all this stuff and I can see the data, I'm like, oh snap, like, okay. Mm -hmm. So we got it. Now what I, what I started doing with other brokers is helping them through strategy calls, figure out where their funnel, where their bottleneck in their process was. And, and asking really just kind of specific workflow questions and then saying, you know, you got to put support one step above that. And people would be like, well, what do you mean? I would say, well, if your boat is leaking, okay, you can stand there and shovel water out of the boat. <clears throat> you're, you're going to, sh- all you're ever going to do is shovel water out of the boat. 
but you kind of got to sometimes like what you got to do to, to not be shoveling water out of the boat all the time is you have to put the bucket down and you have to go address where the leak is. Yes, you're going to take on more water while you're doing that. But as soon as you get that leak fixed, one level up, then you go back, you shovel out the water and you're not taking on water anymore because you've got this thing, you know, person, technology, process. <clears throat> the other thing I realized is I didn't really even know what my workflow was. I remember when somebody asked me, when I brought my daughter and she's like, so how will I know uh, when there's a loan for me to work on? And I'm like, well, you'll just- You just know, right? You just know, like you'll be sitting right there, I'll have a new loan and I'll be like, hey, you have a new loan. <laughs> and I never thought about like what, how is she, how am I gonna tell her that there's a new loan? And then it was like, you're just gonna email me? And I'm like, no, I'm not gonna email you because I can't email you all the documents because that's not safe and blah, 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 right? So there's a lot of things that when you're growing, you have to take into consideration that I never knew before. And I learned the hard way. So where are you at right now? Like, what, what are you using? Like, what's the technology? How many employees do you have? Give us, give us the quick workflow. <laughs> okay, so I have four loan officers. Um, I have two full-time, full senior processors. Are you producing still? I am. A pr so I would be the fifth producing. Yep. Okay. I do about 50% of the volume that the company does. Okay. Um, we have one uh, three quarters time junior processor and then one full-time admin person who's moving her way into junior processing and then we'll hire another admin person. Okay. Um, when I started as a baby broker, I didn't have a lot of money. I eventually ended up getting a grant, uh, for $10,000, which is like the spark grant that they announced at Fuse. Right. Um, but the, at the time, the majority of my business was FHA. So I needed a lot of that money to get a lease, get the website in order so that I could do FHA loans. It was, it was literally about 60% of my business at the time FHA was. So I, I used a lot of that money to get an office and email and the website. Mm -hmm. I would say about seven grand of that went to that. So I didn't have a whole lot of money left. So we still use Blink, Calyx, we okay. use Trello. Um, we have Lead Pops, which has been a huge, uh, that has been one of the biggest implementations for us to, for our lead capture. We use it we don't even use it the way people use it. Even Andrew's like, you need to stop using it that way. And I'm like, Andrew, Andrew, unless you have a really good reason why I should stop using that way, I'm not. And he laughs at me and then I get off the phone and he talks with Ryan about all the tech things. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, but we're looking at, there's a couple other things that we're looking at implementing. We have a, a couple little things that we need to do first. We have to do a little bit more data diving, a little bit more number crunching. So I work with Christine Beckwith um, for Mike, she's my coach, she's my business mm -hmm. coach. And so we're awesome. working with um, her financial forensic person to help us dig into our numbers a little bit more and really see, we know we have some inefficiencies, but we're not sure where they are yet. So we can carve those out and then invest in some bigger efficiencies. I also have a call with Kai McBride. We've spoken a couple of times. He helps me kind of connect some things together as well. Kai's the main, Kai's a good friend. He's a good Yes, friend. yes, yes, yes. I, I'm newly into bumping into him. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, we're still, we still utilize a lot of the free stuff, um, because we're still pretty compartmentalized in the industry. There isn't quite yet a tech. I mean, arrive is really close. That's mm -hmm. fully streamlined. And so in my mind, it's just, I'm not going to make my team come off of a compartmentalized no process to go to a compartmentalized process. And now's the time of year to kind of look at something. Yeah. Oh, that's what we're doing. I'm yeah. like, All right, we're towards the end of the year. It's been a crazy year. We've done well, but let's come off 2021 like really hot. So let's look at them now and yeah. not too much pressure, but 
let's put it in before the end of the year if we can. So yeah, I, it's, it's really challenging to do it at the beginning of the year because as you know, you have to renew all of your broker agreements, all of your, you know, renew all your comp plans. You know, there's a lot of stuff that everybody wants you to do at the beginning of the year, your call reports, if your state requires a financial condition report. And then if you're in more than one state, you got to do all that. Like I'm, I'm in three states, so I got to do that three times. So, you know, <clears throat> let's, let's move to that then. It's been 45 minutes already, but oh. you get extra time, Jackie. You always do. I'm exhausted. Jeez. No, I'm kidding. Um, all right. So I always ask, and this is going to be perfect segue. I always ask two questions at the end, right? Okay. So if you're a brand new, we'll take it a bit deeper. If you're either a brand new LO or you're thinking of starting your own shop mm -hmm. or you're trying to, you're stuck, let's say we've all been stuck, right? Yeah. You heard your stories about being stuck, right? Like what's the first thing that you're that you're going to do? Like, what's the first step here to revive yourself or to start in this business? I have Honestly, a two part question, that, but I want to hear what you say on that one. Yeah. Okay. So if you're new, right, if you're new or you're thinking of coming over, um, the thing I need to tell you the most is the biggest thing that keeps people from transition because it was my biggest issue. And I hear it over and over and over again, talking to brokers about bringing on processors, you have to realize that people that are not in the mortgage industry on the broker side do not value yet mm -hmm. unit for pay. Okay. If you hire someone who has never done a commission or unit for pay type work, their unit for pay exchanges, I work one hour, I get X amount of dollars. Okay. We don't work like that here. Why close one loan? I might get, I get anywhere from X to Y amount of dollars, right? <clears throat> so it was the biggest reason why I didn't come over because I was the breadwinner for our family. And I was like, how long am I going to be without any income? Like, I don't think I could do this. I wish I would have done it sooner. Okay. I wish I would have taken that leap of faith. But if you're hiring people, you have to break out your per unit and convert it to a time conversion. If you're going to pay $500 a unit, and it's gonna take 30 days to close, break that out. If you need them to close five loans a month, that's $2,500, they're gonna be working 40 hours a week, break that into an hourly, hourly conversion Got and it. hire your people on that. If you don't know, which I didn't know, all the things, get you some gusto, get you some Quicken Books, get you some something, okay? Where you, all you have to do is plug it in, hire you a bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. Diana Gleason is the bookkeeper for AIM, uh, which I met her through a different event. And she's like, Hey, I do all this bookkeeping for you guys in AIM. Okay. Get you someone that will do that for you. That's the biggest thing. Okay. The next thing is, is you have to take some time and this is something that would be painful for me, but you have to figure out what your flow is. Mm -hmm. Take a call, you get an app, you put it in blink, you convert it to Calyx, you put it in arrive, then you da da da, then you price it, you blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And you just write yourself a little mm -hmm. timeline. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, next step, real simple, real high level. I do boom, 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 boom. Um, if you're stuck, the best thing that you can do is call a colleague in Brawl, Brokers, WMN, Brokers Are Better, you have to call somebody because you will feel like you are on an island if you do not do that. Yep. And we've or all been through it. Yep. Put your butt in the room. Put your butt in the room. Get to the events. Which, I mean, I know it's COVID, but like when it's yeah, over. I got you. No? Well, I mean, AIM did the virtual thing. It was, it was pretty badass. No it was doubt. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I agree with that. And that's, 
I love how you answer that because I ask that question all the time. And that was more, which I like better, more broad, like get your mind right. Go talk to someone. You have a community. Yeah. We've been there. Don't be embarrassed. Go get your shit straight. Right. Yeah. That's the real first step. You can go into all this other stuff, but that's the real first step. So that's awesome. How, how, how open are you going to be for someone to be like, invest in tech. If you're like, did you even hear my problem? Like, you don't even yeah. know what problem I have. If I just tell you my problem, right? We had this little group call. Uh, we have a bunch of women that do a strategy session with Christine. And we all, we legit came clean. And one of them was about filing tax returns. Y'all wouldn't believe <laughs> the amount of hands that went up about not having filed their tax returns yet. And we all were like, whoo, I'm with my people. I'm with my people. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, last question. Okay. Three to five years. I know, I know, I mean, you're getting your plans in place, but you're a short-term girl, right? For the most, I mean, but you're putting your plans in place, but where do you see this industry in three to five years? Oh, I'm so glad you didn't ask me where I'm going to be. I like that. (laughs) No. Okay. So the industry as a whole, whether it's real estate, mortgage, like where do you see everything going? Oh gosh. Um, are you going to ask me that? Like what are oh, two yeah. weeks before an election? Like <laughs> nobody knows. I get that, but take um, it from the broad level. Like, so I, I follow, I, I listen and I follow to the people at the helm, the people much smarter than me. I have learned to listen mm-hmm. to those Thanks. people. Even when I can't see, it reminds me of my faith, right? If you're not faithful, that's fine. But it reminds me of my faith. And sometimes I say, you know, I don't question God anymore. And I always say like, I know I don't see the bigger picture. So I'm just going to trust in what's going on here. I've put that same faith in the people that we entrust as leaders, Barry Habib, Matt Ishbia, Logan, uh, Logan Motoshami, um, some of the big names out there who, who say, you know, we're going to see this for a while, you know, year, year and a half, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Um, my goal, which is what everybody's been saying, is build your cash. Because we don't know what will come after that. Mm-hmm. Build your cash. So investing wisely. And I think we see, the other thing that we see is, and, and what the experts have talked about is that if the American housing economy is holding up the world economy. The world cannot afford for the American nope. real estate economy to have any sort of disruption. So for the foreseeable future, it will be a stronghold for the world to make sure that the decisions that are made in Congress at the Senate level, the feds, that it's done responsibly because it has world implications. So I think we'll see a really fruitful uh, three to three years. After that, I don't know. Who knows? You just don't know anyway. Who who knows, right? All right, so as a small business owner, what are you doing right now to set yourself up for the next three to five years? So you're good. So we are, um, we're actually saying no to some things uh, to strategize our growth, not to grow too high. So I don't have to unemploy anybody at the end of this cycle. Um, And I, uh, my goal in the next, you know, little bit as a smaller business owner, which I think all of us get to this point at some point is to get out of operations as much. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm really looking to grow the the processor training company. Um, I've been 
contacted by several companies who want to collaborate and merge. And I'm like, it's my baby. I just don't want to do that. So we're looking at further licensing stuff, mm -hmm. PE, CE education. That's going to be on the docket for, for me in 2021. It's, cool. I could have never even imagined that I would have been saying that to you. But for a while now, PE and CE, I've got some great people who have offered to help. Um, and I want to keep my brokerage. We're a family company. We, we talked about this. My, my two older kids, my cousin's daughter, my husband, my sister is an admin at my, uh, my training company. I want to keep it small. I want to keep it family. I want to be like the family boutique. So we got to strategize now and not say yes to everything so yeah. that we can keep our reputation, stay, stay at the growth level that is comfortable, that feeds everybody, makes everybody money, but doesn't, you know, make sure our pants still fit yeah. after Christmas. <laughs> Balance, right? Balance. I love it. Always love speaking with you, Jackie. Oh. I hope I get to see you soon. This whole yes. thing, it's getting pushed aside. We still saw each other during it. So I love yeah. it. Yes. Thank you. I was so good to see you again. Yeah, same, same. Hit me up if you need anything. All right. I will for sure. Later. Thanks for listening to the Broker to Broker podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss a single episode. Head over to aimgroup.com backslash broker to broker and subscribe on any platform where you listen to podcasts.